0: We have music from an opera in ten short scenes on an unusual story. The opera takes place in a classical music radio station on the last night of its operations. At midnight, the station's new management will switch to an easy listening format.
1: Believe it
0: did! The station sold luck,
1: stock, and broadcast frequency. How did it happen in the station, Maine?
0: That's the way the story begins, and composer Paul Salerni strikes fear into the heart of every classical music programmer with this one-act opera. Its title is Tony Caruso's Final Broadcast. It has a libretto by the celebrated poet Dana Joya, and it won the National Opera Association's Chamber Opera Competition. It has this definitive recording on Noxos. And Salerni has another one act, The Life and Love of Joe Coogan, and that's adapted from another unusual subject, Dick Van Dyke's TV show, one of the episodes. The original screenplay was written by Carl Reiner and adapted by librettist Kate Light, and the music, of course, by Paul Salerni, and Joe Coogan had its premiere in September of 2010. Paul Solerny is the NEH Distinguished Chair in the Humanities and Professor of Music at Lehigh University. And there will be a special concert performance of the Dick Van Dyke TV show opera, The Life and Love of Joe Coogan. And that's this Saturday evening in Baker Hall at the Zollner Arts Center. And we'll learn all about it from composer Paul Salerni and theater and opera director, Laura Johnson. Uh,
1: On September 24th, we're going to do a concert version, you know, stand up and sing, not move around too much, of The Life and Love of Joe Coogan, which is the setting of a Dick Van Dyke TV show episode.
0: Now, Laura, your name always comes up if Paul and I are talking about Joe Coogan. And he always says, but it was Laura. Tell us what happened, because it's not the most obvious thing.
2: Well, a TV sitcom episode is not usual grist for the operatic mill, but we've been fans of the Dick Van Dyke show since we were kids and watched with our parents, and then stations uh, networks came along like Nickelodeon or these sort of rerun archival sitcom venues, and when we were first married, we used to catch as many of these as we could, and... Felt like we could probably recite the lines along with the characters and understand the, you know, the flaws and the the great points of all the characters. Carl Reiner's just a brilliant, just a genius comedian in his own right. But then as a writer, my goodness, you know, this was his his baby from the word go. And we've just been fans forever. And so we were watching an episode one night called The Life and Love of Joe Coogan. And I just said out of the blue, this should be an opera. And I don't know what it was about this particular episode that made me feel that. And it's a little tricky because it's got a big reveal. There's a kind of a secret in a way that gets revealed all of a sudden for the audience. Uh, Well, the audience actually is in on the secret. And then for the characters, it's a big reveal toward the end of of the show. And I thought, how can this go over if people know that secret and it's out once? How do you then enjoy the piece. But Paul, of course, writes wonderful music and found a way to create these characters in a musical sense as well. And I th- I think it works, <laughs> if I may say so. Well,
1: and also part of it was that I had written Tony Cruz's final broadcast and a one act, you know, is a one act. You'd like to have a second one act to make an evening. And and I think Laura... Or make
2: it a triptych. Go for Puccini. Go, go for go Puccini. For
1: three. <laughs> and I think whether it was subconsciously or consciously, Laura realized that there were some themes that were common and characters. There's a priest. There's a priest in Tony Caruso. There's the idea of life choices involved. And and there's a certain spirituality in both pieces that I think she, she realized, oh, that's that's gonna make, you know, what's a tragic comedy into a true comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and one of my desires before I pass on is to see those two together staged because there will be roles in common so the priest in one will play the priest in the other
2: and the priest is a lead in one and a kind of an incidental character in the other so there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on
1: so this seems just so natural when when she said you could think about this
0: you actually connected with Carl Reiner to bring it to fruition
2: you always need the permission of the originator so yeah Paul had an interesting phone call with his agent
1: and he's not the only screenwriter for the entire Dick Van Dyke five seasons but he was the screenwriter for this one so i called the agent and i said well how do i get permission and she said well we'll ask mr reiner and and she warned me she said now paul you have to know that mr reiner is the nicest man in the world (laughs) and once he heard about it i got a call from her says mr reiner wants to talk to you (laughs) so on the designated time i called carl reiner we are on the phone for 45 minutes it was delightful he knew my teacher earl kim because he had served in the army with him he knew earl's best friend leon Karsner. they were quite good friends and you know he was just delighted and he said oh i like your music and so you know, let's do this
2: and at one point carl reiner had aspired to be an operatic singer
1: <laughs> who <laughs> right? knew
2: and decided his true gifts were in comedy <laughs>
1: yes and and he said there's only one requirement paul that at some point in the opera the tenor sings the high c he actually has a story in one of his short storybooks about tenors singing high Cs. So it's a big deal for him.
0: And you spent time with him in California in his home.
1: He was very gracious because I uh, was having a premiere of the first opera we mentioned, Tony Caruso's final broadcast. And I said, Mr. Reiner, they're going to do my opera in Los Angeles. And he said, I'm coming. And he brought his family. He came totally incognito. You would never know it was called Reiner. Sunglasses, Sherlock Holmes hat. and And at the end, he said, oh, I loved it have you written anything on our opera our opera <laughs> i said yeah i have some stuff and he said can you come over to the house and play it for me <laughs> so laura and i went over on a thursday afternoon and spent the entire afternoon with carl reiner and went through the piece and just chatted it was, it was magic
0: so what are the forces who's going to do this concert performance
1: it's a, it's a pretty small it's a cast of six singers Some interesting choices. We've got some very young singers that we've gotten to know, frankly, through Miles, a mezzo named Sarah Ann Duffy, a soprano named Helen Wong, the executive director of the Zillner Arts Center, Mark Wilson, is going to do Mel Cooley, Uh, a young tenor named Tyrone Chambers is going to play Buddy Sorrell, wonderful baritone who has sung and Tony Caruso and was the one character in my opera, Haunted. His name is Keith Fares, who's wonderful. And then the Mary Tyler Moore is being played by Gisela laurs who's a soprano from Iceland who is presently singing Queen Tai at the Met in Aknaten. So it'll be a lovely cast. The Overlook String Quartet is going to be in the pit. They're going to start the concert with two or three pieces. The Overlook String Quartet is a very interesting group. They're, they're called the Overlook String Quartet because their mission is to play all of the overlooked composers of color. So they're going to play pieces by Trevor Weston, by Shelley Washington, hopefully a piece by Samuel Coleridge-Taylor, and then they'll be in the pit for the the opera. It should be a pretty wonderful evening.
2: They're not moving a lot. I'm not staging per se. That's not a traffic cop situation. But nonetheless, when you do a concert version of an opera, to me that's a really interesting challenge because it's not just stand at a music stand and sing, we hope, you still have to be able to communicate the music through character, but you might often, usually, have the music stand and score in front of you. So how do you sort of pull the audience out of that visual to launch them into the world of the opera? And to me, that's the interesting challenge. And I'll never forget a version that I saw out in Cleveland of Bluebeard's Castle.
1: Pierre Boulez, conducting...
2: It's a two character piece. They were phenomenal. They did practically nothing in the way of gesture or anything. And and, and somehow you were sucked into that horrific world of Bluebeard <laughs> you know, just right off the bat. And and it was it was a very compelling performance. And I thought, well, that's kinda like the high mark to, to strive for getting there is another story. So we'll see. I don't know, we don't have a whole lot of rehearsal time, but you hope that the singers come not just with their music in hand prepared but that they've done their own homework on the sitcom, on who these characters are, because that's the starting point. It's a good launching point for all of them. In
1: fact, yesterday I got an email from Keith Ferris. He says, what exactly is the title of that episode that you you based (laughs) it in? I said, it's exactly the title of the opera. And two hours later, oh, I found it on Peacock. So he's doing his homework. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, and, and, and this opera is a little bit along the continuum between music theater and opera. And that what Kate Light, the librettist, and I did was we committed to using every word that Carl Reiner wrote, some of which I could musicalize. And it turned out beautifully, I think. But some of it had to be in dialogue. So it's a little bit more like singspiel. So you're gonna get some some dialogue. And again, Laura's, I think, big job is to make sure that dialogue is snappy and witty and stuff. She'll have plenty to do to coach it.
2: And the challenge of this piece both in the original sitcom, and Paul just followed that model, it jumps from location to location, so it starts on a golf course. There's a round, ha-ha-ha, get it, of golf that starts the piece. Paul has, well, Carl has the action moving to the Petri household, the office. All of those locations that you might remember from the Dick Van Dyke show are present, but it goes back and forth uh, among these various settings. And doing that without any indication of now we're in the office, now we're here, now we're there, you know, do we create some sort of light change? What do we do that sort of helps the audience understand, other than constantly consulting a program, which sort of gets in the way, to say, Okay, now we're here, now we're there and some of that is what I've been mulling over <laughs> over this summer.
1: <laughs> and part of why we're doing this is because we want to make a good recording. And so diction will be really important just doing the music really well will be doing important without running around and you know when you run around sometimes the the voice comes from the wrong spot and so you can't hear it so it's it's part of what we're we're after in this case
0: so that's going to be the 24th of september
1: seven thirty p.m baker hall
0: lehigh university
1: Bethlehem, Bethlehem
0: pennsylvania award-winning composer paul salerni NEH Distinguished Chair in the Humanities and Professor of Music at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, as we just heard, and Theater and Opera Director, Distinguished Theater and Opera Director, Laura Johnson, who actually directed the premiere of the opera we will get to hear this weekend. They've been talking with us about The Life and Love of Joe Coogan, a concert performance of the one-act opera based on the Dick Van Dyke TV show episode of that name and that was created by Carl Reiner and the libretto for the one act opera is by Kate Light. The music by Paul Salerni and the musicians are the soloists we heard named and the Overlook Quartet. And you can enjoy the music that the Overlook Quartet will perform and hear the life and love of Joe Coogan this Saturday September 24th at 7.30 p.m. at Baker Hall, at the Zollner Arts Center at Lehigh University in Bethlehem. And for more information on the web, ZolnerArtsCenter.org. z-o-e-l-l-n-e-r, artscenter.org.